Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. One of the most common things that we're hearing here recently from private practice owners is something along the lines of, I'm really struggling to... Uh, to retain our staff. So if you've had a clinician or a key person within the last three years leave for, uh, you know, for a hospital or healthcare system, and you're struggling to compete, uh, this episode is for you. So when we debug that, and we're talking with owners about what is going on in their practice life, and they say, you know, uh, I'm advertising, I'm looking for staff right now, I'm really having trouble finding good help. There's a deeper process than just advertising. And most owners at that point, they're they're talking about something called sourcing. And in this episode, I'm going to be going through 10 different processes that you should have and you need to build out over time uh, for you to have the type of team that you're looking for, whether it's it's a team of two people or a team of 2,000 people. So th- most things can be traced back to um, the, w- one of these ten, one of these ten processes. And uh, again, just a very quick review: processes are really an outline of how to do something. So you know, here's how we do an initial evaluation, and that's a process for us. It's the seven-step exam. Right. So that is a process. When we put several processes together, we can eventually build a system. So in our building a team uh, system, we have 10 processes. Process number one, and I'm going to talk about each of these um, as a general overview. Uh, So number one is a scorecard. And there is a book by Randy Street and Jeff Smart. The book is called Who. There's a predecessor, which was one of those gentlemen, one of those authors, their father wrote a book called uh, uh, Top Grading, I believe, um, which was uh, back in the 90s. But it's really the, you know, the tech go-to book on team building. And tech here, I mean like Google, Amazon, uh, Netflix, Apple, et cetera. But number one, we need a scorecard. And again, that book outlines how to do a scorecard. You can figure it out fairly quickly, but for any position that you're hiring for, and this is what we require in our private practice, anytime that we're hiring for a position, the very first thing that must happen is we build out a scorecard and a scorecard lists simple things like the purpose of the position relative to the organization, the accountability, the metrics that, uh, that position is going to drive. And again, this isn't, you, you should build the scorecard first agnostic to the potential person that you're putting in that role. Um, and you should think about more, what is the position that the organization needs? So the key discerning point there when you're building out your scorecard, but it has accountabilities, how that success or failure is going to be measured in terms of metrics, has uh, competencies, and then it has the core values for your organization all in one document. When we're interviewing And when we're doing our early interview process, we use the scorecard in several ways. Number one is it helps build the ad uh, for how we're going to advertise the position. Most, if you look at most of our ads, it's uh, 
somebody on our team or me uh, frequently reading the, the scorecard. And that serves as uh, as our ad in terms of what we're looking for and fulfilling the position. Another thing that it can do is it drives the interview conversation um, in terms of behavioral history that you're looking for and experience and competencies, et cetera. Um, and then it also serves more importantly later on down the road for your quarterly or annual review, however often you're doing reviews. Um, and if you're doing promotions or, you know, termination or in personnel, uh, uh, personal improvement plans or anything like that, um, it, it also serves really well there. So the scorecard drives the entire conversation. That is one process. Process number two is what we call sourcing. So. Again, when we're doing a deep dive with owners, one of the things that will come up is, you know, they'll say, well, you know, I, I'm having a lot of trouble finding whatever the position is, you know, front desk or somebody in billing, or we need to really need to replace this office manager or this therapist that left. So that is the idea of sourcing. And what sourcing, a good way to think of it is, is you know, is going back to that market message media match triangle, right? It's the same idea here. But what happens is the owner frequently will say, well, you know, in the past we would run an ad on Indeed and I would have, you know, 20 applicants. And today I'm running an ad on Indeed and I'm only getting one or two. Well, that's a symptom of market message media match and that the job market or the available, the people available to work are now using other media um, to find, uh, to find their employment opportunities. So, Sourcing, you know, today online could be LinkedIn. I mentioned Indeed. Um, there's lots of different job boards and job forums. We use uh, social media to share. You know, we'll we'll create a video going over the scorecard and what we're looking for. That's typically a 10 to 15 minute video, and then we'll have our team members socially share um, on their their own social media platforms. So that that's the idea of sourcing is putting an ad out into the world um, in order to generate applicants. Could also be relationships that you have with local colleges and universities, um, and you know sourcing there, uh, and pretty much any channel. The development of any channel that results in applicants coming in for for an interview. Um, the next one is a screening interview. Uh, so that's number three, and a screening interview is highlighted again in that book, Who, W-H-O. And what that is, is a, usually a 20 to 30 minute phone call where you're asking a very specific set of instructions. We haven't deviated from what's in that book in any way at all. We ask the questions exactly as they're laid out in the book, and they tend to be um, pretty strong at determining whether you know this is a candidate we want to move on with. If you do not do the phone screen, what happens usually, uh, you know, so think about this. If you if you write out a good scorecard and you generate a good ad, step number two with sourcing, and you're generating, you know, good, potentially good applicants, you want to have some way of filtering down to the candidates you should be spending the most time with so you can make a decision, right? And that's where the screening interview comes in. You can quickly filter through. Um, a, a large list of candidates just with uh, those 20 to 30 minute phone calls. And then for those candidates who are ready to move on to the next level, and it appears that they, or seems like they might be a potentially a good fit for the position, then we move on to step number four, which is the who interview. And uh, again, so third time I'm recommending the book, th th there's a very clear interview 
process, um, which we call the who interview, which is outlined in the book. And um, I have a cheat sheet. I, I made it available in a couple different places, but um, it's based on the who interview. And then we use something else that we learned from Peter Shallard called uh, Ocean, O-C-E-A. And um, it goes by another name as well. And I'm blanking on what that name is. Uh, the five key inventory or something like this, five, five tool inventory. I'm, I'm butchering the name of that, but um, nonetheless, it you know we're looking for some key uh, core values in their history. So we start back in high school, and what were they like in high school, and you know what were their dreams and aspirations, how they overcame different challenges the whole way through their education, uh, their secondary education, you know, college, if that is relevant, and then we're talking about their work experience. And looking for again, uh, and this is a fairly long interview, so we'll invest you know two to three hours in this interview um, to make sure that we have the right candidate. The other thing that I do want to say about the who interview when executed properly is there is a there tends to be a facade for most people. Um, just you know by nature we're nervous. You know think about the candidates coming in. They're, they're nervous. They're trying to you know be exactly who you want them to be, and we find that you know. After that 90-minute mark, that two-hour mark, they typically will very much relax and you'll get the real person. And that's what we're looking for is we want to understand who the real person is and the WHO interview allows you to do that. So again, that's a structured interview. We incorporate the ocean questions as well. Number five is a working interview. We want to have some idea of how the person is going to handle day-to-day flow. So this isn't an eight-hour Thing, but you know, for a clinician in our working interview, it's a 15-minute screen, right? So if we're interviewing a physical therapist, the clinical director who's hiring myself will go into a room and I'll present a real problem. It's usually my real life problem, which is left-sided cervical pain and shoulder pain, and uh some you know, ulnar nerve radiculopathy into my left hand, and then uh we'll they can test anything that they want to test objectively. They can treat me however they want to treat. And then that we want them to retest. And, you know, most will do something along the lines of grip strength um, and range of motion. And then we'll do some sort of manual therapy technique just for time or, you know, corrective self-movement like uh, TMR or McKenzie, something like that, and then retest. And that's what we're looking for in a pressure situation, how that clinician thinks. And then you can apply that to pretty much any other position as well, you know, depending on what it is. So a PTA, we have a series of goniometric and uh, muscle strength measurements that we have them execute, a, just a little checklist um, for the front desk. We have them, you know, make some phone calls and see how they interact with patients for uh, billing. We have them in our system, et cetera. And the other disclaimer that I want to give here is you should follow all the employment laws for your state or province for your area. Um, and this <laughs> this episode does not serve as uh, employment or legal advice. You should obviously follow um, those rules as well. So understand what the working interview can be for your area. And then that's step number five. Number six is once we have a good candidate, they've, they've passed with flying colors through the screen interview, the who interview, and the working interview. Now we want to follow up with the references. There's a way to do that, again, outlined in the book. Um, we then put together um, an offer, a written offer, 
And we go through a process of acceptance and agreement in terms of what salary and what the employment compensation is going to be, working hours, uh, start date, et cetera. Uh, that's step number seven. Uh, number eight is onboarding. So the one uh, fallacy I see a lot as you know, clinicians is we're overworked, we're doing too many, we're wearing, uh, you know, we're doing too many positions, fulfilling too many positions. So we're super busy. So the second we get a warm body in and on the team, we just kind of let them go, right? And let them figure it out for themselves. And, you know, if something is very dire, then they'll come to us in an emergency. Now we're solving that for them. Well, a better way to think about it long-term is to have an onboarding process. So for our clinicians, especially if they're an entry-level DPT, you know, it's going to be one to two years of support, right? So a long onboarding process, making sure that their, you know, their metrics are solid for free screen to eval conversions or eval to plan of care conversions, that they have a high graduation rate, um, et cetera. So it's really, you know, getting that person up to speed and competent uh, within their role. Step number nine, and that's onboarding. Step number nine is incentivizing. And this is where, you know, we have an incentivization program and 100% of our team members are bonused or incentivized in some way um, that when they contribute to the success of the whole company, that there's some sort of reward um, in there for them as well. So it's the structure around, you know, their base pay plus their bonus also. And then finally, we have um, a, a clump of processes really into one, which is reviews, which result in promotion, promotions and or potentially a termination. So we prefer a quarterly review. We use the scorecard to drive that. There's an important concept about a scorecard, which is, you know, if you're the employer and let's say I'm your next clinician, well, when I'm interviewing, you own the scorecard, right? You're saying what it is that you're looking for in terms of accountabilities, metrics, competencies, and core values. Once I begin the position, and especially as I go through the onboarding, uh, your onboarding process, or gradually I begin to own the scorecard. Three to six months in, I should completely own the scorecard. And then when we have the scorecard review, it's not you telling me how I'm doing, right? It's me saying, okay, here's what I said I was going to do this last quarter. This is what I did. It, we use red, yellow, green, super green. I either, you know, met what I said I was going to do or, or I didn't or some variation of that. Here's the competencies that I said I was going to work on. This is how I see myself doing here. And then this, these are the competencies I'm going to work on here next quarter. This is, these are the accountabilities and metrics that I'm going to focus on next quarter. And also, yeah, so you get the idea. There's a transfer of ownership that happens there as well. And if everything is, uh, proceeding as planned and I'm, you know, I basically have a green scorecard and there's farther opportunities for responsibility. And I'm asking for that responsibility. Then, you know, there's a, um, an opportunity for promotion there. And then we build a new scorecard and add those new accountabilities in. Um, and an example there would be like, uh, somebody who's a staff PT becoming a team leader, which is where they're overseeing, you know, assistance, et cetera, or, moving into like a clinical director role, right? So we use the scorecard to drive the promotions, the reviews, um, and also the termination as well. Anyhow, they are the the 10 processes um, that we have in our, our personnel or a team building system. 
And one of the reasons that I was reviewing this is we are having a breakthrough live event. So this is traditionally something that is for uh, the owners that we're, we work with. However, we we do open it up to um, people that are not breakthrough clients at, at the time as well. But uh, the the theme of our next event, which is October 5th through 7th in Denver, Colorado, the theme is team building, right? And, and it's how to hire and retain uh, A players. So we are going to have uh, multiple sessions around every single one of these processes. This is a, a two-day event, two-and-a-half-day event. You're going to be surrounded by other like-minded private practice owners who are doing the same things that you are. They're facing the same struggles of you know, declining reimbursements and uh, they're, they're trying to, you know, build and uh, retain their, their team as well when they're, you know, they can go to Chick-fil-A and earn $22 an hour, right? So th- they're facing the same exact struggles um, that you are and you're going to get to network with them, um, see some of them speak uh, on stage or in small groups. We run uh, mastermind group, you know, rotation, rotational mastermind groups as well. And uh, it's a great event, and, and especially if you're focused on team building. So um, in order for you to, if you're interested and to attend the event, you do have to register. So within the show notes here, um, we will post the link for you to register. Um, there is a discount for you, um, and there's a certain deadline that I don't have in front of me, but um, you can, what you can do is click on the link, register. There will be a savings for you as a listener of the Grow Your Practice podcast. And uh, yeah, awesome. It, also, the other frequently asked question we get is, can I bring other team members? So I have a key office manager or clinical director or another partner. Can I bring them as well? Absolutely. We have you know, some PT companies um, and other healthcare companies that will bring you know 10 or more team members to a single event. So you're more than welcome to do that as well. Anyhow, find that link. Uh, it's October 5th through 7th in Denver, Colorado. The theme is um, hiring and retaining your, your A-team players. And otherwise, I will see you in the next episode or, or in Denver. Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, Make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.